0: It's the Bible rundown day 150 second chronicles 10 through 12 and John 11. so Rob the chronicler's not painting everything roses and dandelions right he's starting to bring in some of the negative and we start to see the kingdom slipping out of the hands of these descendants of David so he wasn't direct the chronicler wasn't direct with Solomon telling us the bad but With Rehoboam, we start to see it. He refuses to take the advice of these old men, as we read back in 1 Kings, and takes the advice of the young men who teach him to act foolishly, and the result is going to be treacherous for the kingdom. What do you kind of see in these chapters? What's our takeaway?
1: Yeah, I think verse 15, David, is is key here. So the king did not listen to the people. For it was a turn of affairs brought about by God that the Lord might fulfill his word which he spoke by Adhijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So it's interesting. The Lord is kind of bringing this about.
0: Can I like emphasize that? Yeah. I think, and this is what you and I have talked about, the benefit of reading through the whole Bible this way is that we start to see things come together a lot more clearly. But this kind of like supernatural, if you want to call it that language wasn't really evident in as clearly in first, second Samuel, first, and second kings, right yeah. like we talked about uh in second Samuel David's census, it just appears that it was his decision, but then we jump over to chronicles, and the chronicler has no problem saying Satan incited David to do the census, and then what you just read, right like. In Kings, it's just, oh, you know, Rehoboam took this bad advice. But here, it's this really heavy statement that it was a turn of affairs brought about by God. Mm -hmm. So do you think the chronicler wants us to see God's activity in Israel's history a lot more explicitly than maybe what was previously recorded? Why is it? I mean, do you feel like there's that similar emphasis here?
1: Right. Well... Number one, we understand Solomon fails. He is not the Messiah. He's not the son of David. Those promised. that kingdom will have no end. It's Christ. And he knows the wickedness of man is failure, right? David fails. Solomon fails. Even though they're God's chosen ones, we're looking to the one who will never fail. Always pointing us to Christ. And so even in the split of the kingdom, we're seeing God's judgment happening as a result of sin and his glory and salvation coming because of his mercy and steadfast love. And so we've seen that throughout the Old Testament and we're seeing it here that God is bringing this about um, not only to fulfill his word, but also to fulfill the plan of of the coming one.
0: Mm, it's good
1: so so rehoboam and jeroboam uh you know they they split here yep and uh they they split the kingdom um what are your thoughts on the split kingdom
0: it's worse than a church split I mean, you're laughing, but yeah, you know, I kind of meant it in jest. No, I mean, this is. I think this is is really. What's sad? I can't remember the Psalm of ascent, but there's one of those Psalms, where it says, "How good it is when brothers dwell together in unity." Right. You know, but um, let's let's remind ourselves: who are these people that have split the kingdom? They are God's chosen people, right. right? I mean, it's worse than a church split in the sense that this would be like the church imploding on itself, not just like a local church splitting into two bodies. You know, like the, the idea that there is disunity in the kingdom of God because of our preferences mm-hmm. is just there's no room for it. And so I think there's a lot of things I think that we can infer from it. But at the end of the day, God has brought all this about to ultimately show that he will be the sole unifier of the nation. But it's going to have to come through exile as a result of the people's sin. Right. But that, that's no different than the gospel that we've been reiterating, right? Yep. We're unified in Christ, but it's not, not because of anything other than our own sin has created this chasm between us and God that we need Christ to intercede for us.
1: Yeah, and, and verse 12 is is this 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 depravity, right? It's just highlighting the depravity. When the rule of Rehoboam was established, he was strong. He abandoned the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. He had been unfaithful to the Lord. Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And... You know, essentially, this is what will happen, right? As the the book the book continues, is is that God will raise up enemies against Israel, against the kingship, until they are carried into exile.
0: That's right. And we're gonna continue to recap what we've read in Kings, but some new stuff in John eleven. Unless you got any other final thoughts. 1st let's, let's talk about John eleven. So John eleven, it's the death of Lazarus. Ooh. Um, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. But here's the issue, Rob. Lazarus did die. Yeah. And Jesus allowed him to. And Jesus allowed him to. What are we to make of that?
1: Well, let me ask you this question. Are you going to die?
0: Absolutely. Well, maybe. Is
1: Jesus going to allow you to die? Yes. Yeah. The issue is not death. The issue is the resurrection.
0: The one who has power over death.
1: Yeah, and he's Lazarus will die again, right? That's Jesus right. will raise him from the dead, but he will die again. But the the reality is is that we will be resurrected to eternal life. And, and that's what that's what Jesus is
0: teaching here. Yep. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me. Though he die, yet shall he live. So Rob, how do you encourage somebody that has a fear of death?
1: That's a good question. We're going to tackle this this summer, but I would encourage them to trust in God. To live for eternity. I mean, this is, this is our whole sermon series this, this summer is... You you wanna live for the here and the now. You're gonna have anxiety and fear and all sorts of things. You're gonna fear death, you're gonna fear losing your money, you're gonna fear but if you live for the glory of God now, you don't fear those things.
0: Nope. Why? You shouldn't. You shouldn't.
1: Because they're not they're not what you live for. That's right. You live for the glory of God. You are not living for how much money you make, what you do. I mean it's all Solomon, right? That's right. You live for the glory of God. You wait for eternity. And Jesus is teaching us that death is not that something that we should fear. Why? He has power over death. Mm -hmm. And he is the first fruits of the resurrection. Meaning he is the first to be resurrected and we will follow in his suit. For Those who follow him will follow suit in their resurrection like Christ in eternity to be with him forever.
0: And then verse 35 The shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept Why did he cry Rob? Why did he weep? Yeah. If death has no no power over him If if there's never no hope with Christ Why does he weep when he comes to the grave Or the tomb?
1: I think it's showing That Jesus cares About sin and death he cares about humanity's death that was not God's intention I mean it was it wasn't his design in the beginning we were called we were created to live forever and as a result of our sin we die and he 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 will die Mm
0: -hmm.
1: ultimately so that we can live
0: Amen. Good what are your
1: thoughts on wept?
0: I was gonna answer the same thing. I mean, I I could come up with all different things. I think for me the thing I find comfort in is like Jesus wept. He expe- he experienced emotions the way we do. Like this idea that he was this strong above it all figure, like his his power was his meekness, right? That he was willing to identify with our lowly state could sympathize with our weaknesses because he himself experienced them, but he can own them. So I think for, man, especially in our culture, for a lot of men, best thing they may need to learn to do is to cry, to express their emotions. If if your savior can express emotions over death, then we ought to feel safe to do the same and yet still have hope in the midst of that, right? so
1: it's good to express emotion we're created to do that
0: absolutely and you know
1: when you cry you actually it helps you to overcome the sadness that, that you're given
0: right well and it, it's assigned to others and that's what I notice at the follow-up right the crowd says yeah. look at how much he loved him right so Jesus is not just some miracle worker going from town to town like a potions maker right or a snake charmer just looking to entertain he's he's showing his sympathy that he has with people and the people can embrace him as one that knows their situation comes to them at their level and he's not absent of what's going on in the moment
1: yeah and this this is ultimately the 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 one thing that leads to his death i mean this is they're upset about this miracle
0: yep and the very end right uh caiaphas says, the one don't you understand it's better that one man should perish for the people than everyone no we we get it caiaphas that's actually his mission thanks for telling us
1: thanks thanks for sharing the gospel caiaphas
0: (laughs) bible rundown we'll see you tomorrow